0: CSN International presents To Every Man an Answer, the live Bible answer program that equips you to give a reason for the hope that lies within you. If you have a question on the Bible or the Christian faith, you can call us at 1-888-827-5276. That's 1-8888-ASK-CSN. Now let's get things started. Here's today's
1: host. Well, hi, and welcome to Thursday's edition of To Every Man and Answer, as we take this time every weekday afternoon to answer your questions on the Bible and the Christian faith. And I'm Scott Parker, and again for Mike Kessler, and I'm the pastor of Calvary Chapel in Festus, Missouri. And with me on the program today is another Calvary Chapel pastor from Rapid City, South Dakota, and that is none other than Pastor Greg Blanc. (laughs) Greg, it's
2: great to be with you today. Out of all the uh, introductions that I've ever had, I've got to say uh, that one was uh, the most recent. How about that? The most recent, that's great. Yeah, Pastor Scott Parker, great to be on uh, with you again today, and uh, uh, great to be able to do an outreach to the team of fans, and looking forward to uh, doing our best to answer the questions that you have about the Bible from from the Bible. Exactly. And
1: again, that number to call, if you have a question and you would like to give us a call, we would love to do our best to answer your questions from the Bible. And that number is 88-88-ASK-CSN. 88, 88, That's 88-88-ASK-CSN, 88, 88, and that translates out to triple eight, eight two seven, five two seven six. And so, uh, Greg, what is going on right now up at Calvary Chapel in Rapid City that you would like to share with our listeners?
2: You know, I don't, you're a pastor, so you understand this and anybody else who's in ministry, home fellowship leaders, pastors, anybody who gets the opportunity to teach the Bible. It's, it is such an amazing privilege. And so, uh, we just started just, uh, yeah, just last night started three weeks study in the book of Nahum. Nahum mm-hmm. is a book of doom. Have you taught through that before? Probably. <laughs> yeah. Wow. But, uh, yeah. But it's relevant. Uh, it's very relevant. I, uh, I, I themed this particular Teaching from repentance to rebellion. Because you know it's it's basically Nahum is just an addendum to the book of Jonah as mm-hmm. Joe as Jonah takes his three day walk after getting barfed up on the beach uh there in uh in Nineveh, there on the Tigris, and he walks through the city and he's he's not happy because he doesn't like these people at all because they're ruthless, cruel killers, and uh and he walks through three day just massive city and, uh, hey, you know, 40 days and then the judgment of God and the king, <laughs> the king of Assyria repents and he calls for a national repentance. Mm-hmm. And apparently that lasts for about, uh, about a hundred years. And then they go back to their sexual immorality and worshiping false gods. And, and I just see the correlation between our nation, our nation that started off. With such incredible foundation of of trusting the Lord and the story of the Mayflower and and how they, uh, when you read through the Compact, it, it it says that their goal was to extend and expand the kingdom of God, and when you look at what's just turn on the news, any any evening and you see oh how the mighty have uh have fallen so teaching that uh on uh on wednesday nights and i'm in matthew 6 end of matthew 6 on uh on sunday morning and pastor i i bet that that most people don't understand that pastors are tempted to worry (laughs) just like (laughs) just like any anyone else and do you know who miles mcpherson is do you know that name miles mcpherson yes i do yeah no yeah he uh um i served with him at uh at horizon christian fellowship back uh mm-hmm. back in the day and i will never forget because he's talking about you know don't worry about tomorrow no man knows the uh the trouble you know each day has a, enough trouble of its own and he says look at the jesus is saying hey look at the birds look at the birds of the air you know they neither, they neither they're not freaking out and and miles did a uh it's still 25 years ago, maybe even 30 years ago. And he, and he's, and he says, you never, you never see a bird on a rainy day, uh, uh, going to his stash of worms. You know, he doesn't have a, mm-hmm. he doesn't have a stash of, of, of worms. He waited for the Lord, you know, he waited for the Lord and you never see a bird with a, with a panicked look on his face. And you know, where am I going to find a stick for my nest? Help me out. You know, I need a worm. I need a worm, brother. Help me out with a worm. <laughs> And so if you know the point of that is that Jesus says if if I'm taking care of them, how much more will I take care of you and and maybe for somebody who's out there uh today and and you got you're going through a trial or you're just tempted to fret or you're tempted to worry uh none of us have arrived on that we're all tempted with that but but just trust the Lord is not he's not ignorant of what's going on in your life and he's he's going to work all things to the good, to those who love him and those who are called according to his purpose. So uh just remember, you never see a little birdie, you know, standing on the corner with a, uh with a sign around his neck that says, we'll chirp for food. God, God is going to provide. <laughs> Amen. Pastor Scott. Yes, that's exactly right, Greg. And you know,
1: that's uh that's a good word for right now with everything that's going on in our oh, world. I know. And uh yeah, with just everything that's been happening and, you know what uh, what people see on the horizon coming uh, not only to america but to the world with the economies of the world and digital currency and just all the stuff that that's interesting isn't it all the stuff that we know in the tribulation is going to be in full force and um we're seeing you know the beginnings of it uh even now we're seeing it being set up and everything you know, as uh I know Jan Markel says, not things aren't falling apart, everything's falling into place. Falling into place, yeah. Yeah, and that's what's happening. And what you just shared is a good word for us to remember that um, you know, all of this that's gonna be coming up on the world was prophesied in scripture. It's you know, the Lord is the one who's gonna be allowing it. And actually, when you read the book of Revelation, he's the one opening the scrolls, he's gonna be causing it to happen, uh opening the seals of the scroll. And uh so, you know, however much we have to endure before the rapture happens, uh, which, you know, the tribulation will follow that. But however much we got to see, uh, no matter how bleak it gets, boy, we can trust the Lord, can't we?
2: Oh, my. Yeah, I agree 100 percent. Keep our eyes on Jesus. He's our only hope and he's coming back. Exactly. Amen. Maranatha. <laughs> yeah. Amen to that. Yeah. Yes. Well, listen,
1: if you've got a question, we'd love to answer your question with the Bible, and so give us a call. Again, that number is 8888-ASK-CSN. That's 888-827-5276. We have some lines open, and we can get you right on. And so with that, let's go ahead and go to the phones. And we have Bill on the line from California. Bill, welcome to To Everman Minute Answer.
3: Good afternoon, gentlemen. My two of my most favorite pastors on today. Um, well, somebody send you, that man a,
2: real... a dollar. <laughs> thank, <laughs> thank you, I'll Bill. Give, I'll
3: give you my address later. Um All gentlemen, right. I just have a real quick question for you. I would like your take on it. Um you would agree that uh God knows the end from the beginning, as he wrote history, and that he is Still in control because of his sovereignty uh, over the whole world and all the nations and all the peoples of the world. So, with everything going on in politics today, um, from the 2016 election to the 2020 election, why is it that so many pastors are not, well, so many pastors are angry about our current administration? and doing the things that we're, that they are doing uh, with the LGBTQ pandering to all of these special interest groups, um, why are they so angry about it, and why do they speak about it instead of just saying, let's just put our hope and our trust in Christ, because he wrote history of the world, and everything that's happening is going to be for his glory in the end, and let's just sit tight and pray, um, keep up on prayer, and wait for the
1: rapture um, before the tribulation. Okay, Bill. Well, that's a great question. And, um, you know, I know as uh, being a pastor, um, you know, I too am very disappointed uh, in our current administration, uh, the way they have taken our country, the trajectory they have put us on. And so, Pastor Greg, how would you answer, Bill, in dealing with this issue? How should pastors here in America be viewing the things that are going on, and how should we be addressing that?
2: Well, I think there's. Uh, I think we need to start with what we read in, let's see, 1 Timothy 2, it says, Therefore I exhort first of all that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings we could call that president. some some presidents think they're kings but uh, for kings and all who are in authority that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence i think that as uh, believers bill um especially men that god gives a platform to somewhat be uh his herald and his proclaimer of truth i uh, i think that we should be able to call out truth but hopefully and i know what you mean sometimes it sounds like these some pastors are are actually mad at the person instead of mad at their policy and the deception that the devil has over them i agree with pastor scott that this uh i don't think that there has been a single decision that uh the current administration has made in the last couple of years that uh that i would agree with and 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 that's because I am comparing it to what the word of God says and, uh, they're completely diametrically opposed. Uh, so I think that we need to get out there. We need to educate people. We need to, we need to make a stand, but we can never forget that, uh, uh, we're, we're commanded to, to pray for those in authority, even when we don't like, uh, even when we don't like their policies. So, uh, so i i join you in that bill and as far as you know and i don't think this is the way that you meant it uh but we the rapture could happen in any moment so we got to be we got to be out there about our father's business and occupying till he comes and voting obviously you know uh, how how can we be the light of the world without uh taking advantage of the privilege that god gives us to be able to vote and uh and influence, and be salt uh, salt and light as much as possible. Pastor Scott? Yeah, I think
1: that's great, Greg. And Bill, we also have to to realize that when we look at Scripture, um, we look at Old Testament and we look at New Testament, we see that when the prophets of God were faithful to the Lord in giving the people what God had given to them, that that required many times um, them speaking uh, concerning the issues of the day uh, the politics of the day, the things that leaders were doing. I, I think of John the Baptist, you know, whenever, um, whenever he's calling out Herod who took his, his, uh, his brother's wife from him, um, things like that. Um, so it's interesting because if we as pastors, if we as pastors stay faithful to the Bible and we preach and teach the whole counsel of God, what's going to happen is, we're going to hit all these issues that the world looks at as political issues. Most of the time, these things aren't political issues. These things are biblical issues. These are things that God has spoken on. And if God has spoken on them, then we as pastors are responsible for giving the people, not only in our church, but also the people in our society, what the what the word of God has to say. And when we do that, what happens is when you have an administration that's ungodly and making these kind of ungodly decisions and, and bringing into law, um, you know, things that, that are just ungodly behavior that's very clear in scripture, then what happens is we automatically set ourselves up in a position now where we're at opposition with these things and you know for for me as a pastor I, I don't seek to try to be controversial I don't seek to try um uh, you know to 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 speak things against our leaders um just because I don't agree with them to put them down or call them names or something like that I in fact I do just the opposite as Patrick Greg says uh, I exhort our congregation to pray for them but I also exhort our congregation that what we must do, and I'm a firm believer in this, I think as, as Christians living in America, we have been given this wonderful, uh, stewardship of living in a country where we have the freedom to elect our own representatives to government. And what's interesting is when you look at how uh, American government set up, uh It's not set up to where, you know, the president makes makes the calls or even our representatives. They're supposed to be representatives of the people, and it's actually, again, our government is to be a government, um, you know, that's by the people and for the people, and where we're getting to now is not that at all. Um, And that's why we're seeing our Constitution being chipped away because the Constitution gives the power to the people. And so what's interesting, and I'm saying all that to say this, living in America – I believe as a Christian that I have been given a great stewardship of freedom in this country. And I think we need to do what we what we can do uh, while we can do it to preserve our freedoms, because those freedoms that we have, they allow us to do a lot of good. These freedoms allow us today to be right here on the radio, all across the United States, all across the internet. Um it's it's real interesting uh, I just noticed the other day um my latest teaching that I did on a Sunday morning in book of revelation uh teaching on the on the on the seven seals in chapter 6 uh was taken down off of YouTube because it was inappropriate <laughs> and all I was doing was teaching what the bible has to say um you know and it was taken down so what i'm saying is is it's important for us um you know to to make sure uh that we have people that that represent us in government and when we we don't have and when we see them going this way and, and going uh, you know ways that that are ungodly and and that um no longer represent the nation that we used to have um when it was set by our forefathers uh, to be a christian nation when we no longer see that you know as pastors i believe it is our responsibility to speak out To the issues of the day but the way we do that is by preaching the bible because the bible will deal with those issues so i think it's important for us to realize number one uh that that any leaders that are in power right now that god has allowed them to be and i get that with or without voter fraud um at the end of the day we have to believe what the bible says that god has allowed this but at the same time because we are stewards of this freedom. I think we are responsible to do all we can while we can to preserve our freedom, because as long as we have this freedom, we're allowed to do so much more for the kingdom of God. Now I'm not limiting what the Holy Spirit and what the Lord can do. Um, if we as, as Christians become a very highly persecuted people and we no longer, you know, our freedoms are stripped from us, (laughs) we still serve the Lord. We still, you know, trust him and, and, and do what he's called us to do. Um, but at the same time, I mean, I don't know about you, Greg, but you know what? I like living in a free country. I've been to other Amen. countries all over the world and I can tell you, I've been in countries where their government suppresses them and the people are poor and the people, you know, don't have the freedoms to do what they want to do. I mean, it, it's, it's horrible and I don't want to live like that. So, you know, I think it's important for us as Christians to vote. And when we go vote, to vote our biblical convictions. Um, but I also think uh, it's important for us as pastors uh, to teach the Bible and preach the Bible, and when we do, that's going to set us up automatically against any politicians and any government uh, administrations who are ungodly and who are against the Bible, so we kind of find ourselves that way, but Bill, I agree with you. I don't think pastors need to be name-calling the president, making fun of the president. I don't think we need to be um, doing anything like that, that is, that is not Christ-like in any, in, in any way whatsoever. But I think we do need to stand up, uh, as the prophets of today, as, as pastors, we need to be the prophets of today and stand up. And when there's injustices going on in our society, we need, as we're preaching the Bible and we see it in the Bible, point them out and, and, and not be afraid to speak on those issues, um, and to do it un- unapologetically. Uh, but at the same time and greg I think you agree with me here we're we're to do everything uh with love and respect you know when we teach the bible we're to t- we're to give people the truth but we're to do it in love you know um i think it was if i'm not mistaken i think it might have been Spurgeon you know who said hey you know when you preach on hell uh don't do it with a <laughs> smile on your face preach on hell with a tear in your eye you know and i think that's the way we need to go about it so bill does that help out a little bit it does, gentlemen, uh, and I am on the same track as both of
3: you are. <clears throat> it's just that, um, you know, it, it's, it's, it seems like it's becoming more and more difficult to be, um, a stalk of wheat growing alongside the tares. Mm-hmm. But I thank God that I am a follower of his son, Jesus Christ, and I do what I can on my end, um, talking with people and I do get shunned quite a bit, but, um, I just, you know, I'm I'm very happy that that uh, God is sovereign over His creation and nothing catches Him by surprise. And I know that our rewards are waiting for us at the end of the race.
1: Yeah, that's exactly right, Bill. And 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 again, as Christians in America, it's important that we vote, and it's also important that you know what for Christians uh, to run for office. You know, if we want to make a difference in our government, I think it's important for Christians to get involved uh in the marketplace and get involved in in these areas and bill i totally agree with you and it's just important uh for us to remember that you know god has given us this wonderful freedom and i think we need to do all we can while we can um you know and uh again you know preaching the bible and teaching the truth is is going to set us up in opposition against these things and we just need to be ready for it so so bill thanks so much again for the call and thanks for the question and uh, god bless you and if you would stay on the line And the folks at CSN there have something for you. And let's go ahead and go back to the phones. And we have Brian from California. Brian, welcome to the program. How's it going? Good. How are you?
4: I'm doing great. So um, I've been doing a little studying and trying to grasp the Christian faith. And from my Uh understanding is that Jesus is the Savior that washes away our sins. And so that's his purpose. And that, uh, so then I was looking up what would be sin, and I found it says that uh, only in one place, really, that sin is transgression of the law, and then it says, and transgression of the law, and it says it forwards and backwards. And so that makes sense. Um, So then I'm like, what what are those laws? He also says, you know, if you love me, keep my commandments. um, To go away from me, you who practice lawlessness. So obviously he's into the law. And so those laws are the Ten Commandments, and then it gets in, I hear a lot of people are really good about nine out of ten of their commandments, like no one would call someone who said, you know, I'm just going to go murder that person. No, you shouldn't, and it, it, it's, that's being legalist or legalism, but people throw that term around a lot on the Fourth Commandment about the Sabbath. And I know that as Christians, we're little Christ, and Christ himself, you know, was his common custom to practice and teach on Saturday, probably all the time, but at the temple on Saturdays, God himself created everything from light to human beings in six days, and then himself rested on the seventh day, not the first. And uh, nothing's further from front to back than, you know, Tuesday and Wednesday might be right next to each other. But Sunday and Saturday in the cycle, one's the first and one is the last. It's like complete opposite. And okay. I don't know. I just think trying to be a little Christ and live in his example, since he's probably the best role model we can find that, uh, also it says in the Bible in the fourth commandment that the Sabbath was set, afi- set aside or sanctified or hallowed and sanctified means set aside for a special purpose. And, sure. um, and,
1: yeah. And Brian, listen, I, I know exactly where you're going with this, uh, all about the Sabbath and Christians. You know, should be keeping the Sabbath as opposed to worshiping on Sunday and all of this sort of thing. And and this is a great discussion uh, because I think a lot of Christians are confused um, about what a Christian's relationship should be with the law of God um, in the Old Testament. Um, because usually in Christian circles, when it comes to speaking about the law, you know, uh, that God had given to Moses to give to the nation of Israel— a lot of Christians look at it, and they kind of go down the route you're going, like, well, we should follow it to the T, that we should obey the the whole law all the time. You know, like you're, you're saying, you know, well, Jesus did, so we should. Uh That's one way. And then another way Christians go with the law is to say, well, since we're saved by grace and we're in the New Testament, you know, the law is bad. They look at the law like it's bad. But, you know, Paul in Romans 7 actually said the law is good. The law is holy. Um, And when you look at the law of God, what you see is the law of God is actually a reflection of God's own nature. Um, When you read, for instance, the Ten Commandments, um, there's something in reading the Ten Commandments and understanding them that we learn about what God is like. Uh, about what he approves of and disapproves of. So, uh, so Brian, this is a good discussion. Now, I, we we need to talk about this issue of the Sabbath. I know we're coming up on a break here in about two minutes, but if we come up on the break, I, I want you to stay on the line with us so we can finish this uh, after the break. Uh, but let's go ahead and get started. Pastor Greg, um, how would you respond here to Brian, especially talking about the things about the Sabbath day that as Christians, you know, we should be following the law, including the Sabbath and such like
2: that? Well, the first thing I want to do, I, I want to commend you, Brian, for having a heart to want to do what the Bible says. And, uh, also that you have a heart that you're asking questions. No questions are, uh, are off limits. And so I, I, I think it's wisdom. The Bible says that there's wisdom in a multitude of counsel. Now, um, I would presume that Pastor Scott and I are in agreement on the fact that, uh, the, the, the Ten Commandments, which uh, Jesus did say that he didn't uh, 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 come to uh, abolish the law. But at the same time, the, following the law isn't what saves us. Following what saves us is having a personal relationship with Jesus as creator and, and recognizing him as Lord and doing our best to, uh, to keep his word. When it comes, and I have this discussion with people occasionally and, and, uh, they'll say, well, well, shouldn't we be worshiping on Saturday and not on, not on Sunday? And I'll remind them that the early church, uh, they met on Sunday. Uh, they didn't meet on, they could have met on Saturday as well, but we're nowhere commanded to be worshiping on Saturday or Sunday because the goal is to worship the Lord every day. And what the Apostle Paul tells us, well, hear the music coming up. Let me uh let me get back to you on that at the uh uh when this break is over. Dr. Yeah, Scott. Brian.
1: Yeah, Brian, if you would hold on. And when we come back after the break, uh Pastor Greg will finish what he was explaining there. And so uh We'll be back after these words with our second half of To Ever Met an Answer.
5: So right now may be the perfect time for you to rethink how you pay for healthcare. And here's why not only is it open enrollment for a lot of people, it's also a time you can join Metashare and save even more than usual. And it's true, the typical family switching to MediShare saves five hundred bucks or more a month, which is obviously huge for a lot of people, but what's more, they like it. Metashare has double the customer satisfaction rate compared to health insurance. Double. There are 400,000 members. They've shared over $4 billion in medical bills, and it really is a great community, too. People encourage and pray for each other. And here's the thing. If you join Metashare Complete right now, they'll waive your new member fees, and you'll save an additional 10% off all of 2023. That's right. No fee to join, 10% off every month of next year, but it's a very limited-time offer. You have to sign up before December 31st great savings great health care find out more call now 855-91-BIBLE that's 855-91-BIBLE 855-91-BIBLE
6: the meaning of christmas is all about the miracle of life when christ came to earth as a baby to bring life to all preborn pregnancy clinics share the miracle of life every day as they meet women in crisis pressured to end their unborn baby's life And every day, Preborn rescues 150 babies' lives by introducing babies to their mothers via ultrasound. But that's only the beginning. Preborn shares Christ with them and offers assistance for up to two years after birth, all for free. And this miracle of life often saves the baby and the mother. When I heard her heartbeat,
0: I decided to keep her. And now my daughter's about to be three. I don't know where my life would be without her.
6: To learn how you can help rescue a baby's life, call 855-668-BABY. That's 855-668-BABY. Or go to preborn.com. That's preborn.com. All gifts are tax deductible. Your love can save a life.
1: Well, good afternoon here on this Thursday as we continue our Thursday edition of To Every Man an Answer. And we had Brian on the line right before the break, who was asking a question, uh, about the law in the Old Testament and particularly the Sabbath day and as Christians, um, you know, the issue of we, should we, how, how meticulous should we be following the law and especially the Sabbath day? And so before we uh, came to the break, Pastor Greg was, actually uh helping to answer this question and to deal
2: with this so pastor Greg I'm going to give it back to you let you pick up where you left off got it thank you Scott yep mm-hmm. what uh what I was getting to there Brian as we were talking about uh uh what day should we worship him on uh, what what settled it for me is what the apostle Paul told us in uh, in Galatians uh Colossians chapter 2 Verses 16 and 17, it says, uh, therefore, let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food and drink or with regard to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath, for these are a shadow of things to come, but the substance belong to Christ. And we have to be reminded that uh, I think it's in Deuteronomy 5 where Moses is reiterating the, uh, the commandments to the children of Israel it says, you shall remember that you are a slave in the land of Egypt and the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and outstretched arm. Therefore the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. And, and ultimately we have to remember that these were commands that were given directly to the nation of Israel. And as far as I, uh, I remember, I think that uh, of the 10 commandments, the only commandment that is not reiterated and restated in the new Testament is, uh, is the fourth commandment of honoring the Sabbath day because every day is, uh, is meant to be kept as holy unto the Lord. Pastor Scott.
1: Yeah, Greg, that was great. And, and Brian, um, l- let me share this with you. Number one, as, uh, pastor Greg said earlier, uh, we do, we commend you for, uh, studying the Bible and, and really trying to find the balance here of, of what the scripture says, especially in the Old Testament. So let me say this real quick, and I'll try to make this as quick as I can. Uh, something that we have to understand as believers, as we read the Old Testament, as particularly the law, we have to understand, just as what Pastor Greg said a moment ago, that the law of what's normally called the law of Moses, the law of God, uh, was, was given by God to give to Moses, to give to To the people of Israel... And it was literally to govern them as they lived in God's land, in the land of Israel. So that's the first thing we have to remember, that the law is for the nation of Israel. When God gave it to Moses and he brought it down to the nation of Israel, Israel made a promise to God and said, we will do all that you have commanded us to do, which was really a dumb thing to say because they didn't do it because they couldn't do it. Because in your flesh, you can't keep the law, number one. Paul tells us both in the book of Romans chapter three and in the book of Galatians, that no man, that no man is justified before God. None of us are made right before God through keeping the law or obeying the law. And why not? Because we cannot. The more we try to keep God's law meticulously, the more we break it. In fact, the brother of Jesus in uh, James uh, tells us in James chapter one, that if we break one of God's laws, then we are considered in the eyes of God to have broken them all because the only way to keep the law is to keep it perfectly. And because we're sinners and have a sinful nature, we cannot do that. So that's the first thing I think we need to understand. Another thing we need to understand as believers when it comes to the law, that when we look at the law of God, it actually there, – there, there are different laws. And different categories of laws, and that's important. And I'll tell you why it's important. Number one, one category of God's law are what's called the civil laws. And the civil laws were laws that God gave to Israel to govern them, uh, in their, to govern their society as they, as they dealt with one another, uh, in the land of Israel. Uh, today we have civil laws in America and our civil laws here in America are the laws of the land, the laws that you know, our our government uh, enacts, those are our laws, and that's what we're supposed to obey. For Israel, it was those civil laws mentioned in the scripture, okay? So th- that's number one. Those civil laws were for Israel to obey in the land and to govern them as a people in the land. Those are not written to Christians and for Christians to obey today. Also, there's another category of laws that we see in God's law, which are called the ceremonial laws, These are all the laws that the Jews had to obey in order to be ceremonially clean, to be able to come to the temple or come to the tabernacle and present themselves to God to worship him. And those laws usually have to do with things that are clean versus things that are unclean. Uh this has to do with like the 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 dietary laws had to do with don't eat what's what's unclean, but only eat what's clean. Um, you know, they were to touch a dead body, because if you touch a dead body or touch a grave, now you're considered unclean. So when you read in, in God's law in the Old Testament about all these laws that had to do with clean and unclean, those are called ceremonial laws. And in order to be ceremonially clean and pure, to approach a holy God at the temple or tabernacle, you had to be ceremonially clean. And the only way to do that was to follow those laws. Well, those laws, again, were for the nation of Israel while they're in the land of Israel worshiping at the temple or tabernacle. They're not for Christians. They, they, they were never given to us as believers to follow. Now, the other categories of the other category of laws that we see in God's law, which is what you brought up is the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments are what we call God's moral laws, because when you look at the Ten Commandments, again, they tell you what God thinks about what is right and what is wrong. And what we do see as we read the whole Bible is just as as uh, Pastor Greg said, what we see in the New Testament is we see the writers of the New Testament as they were instructing believers in churches we see that nine of the 10 commandments are repeated for us in the New Testament that Christians should obey and follow. Now, they're not written for us to obey and follow in the sense to make us righteous before God and to save us, but the, keeping God's law in the way of the 10 commandments for a Christian, again, should be, should be the outflow of being led by the Holy Spirit. Okay, if we as Christians are led by the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is never going to lead us to do something that is against the nature of God and against His moral laws. Uh, and for instance, that's why when you read Ephesians four, Paul says things like this. He says, "Hey, let him who stole, who stole steal no more, but rather let him work with his hands, and uh, you know, let him make a living and then share it with other people." Well, what Paul, what was Paul doing there? He was actually quoting the Ten Commandments that says, Thou shalt not steal. And we have examples of that throughout the New Testament. And so what we see is when it comes to God's moral laws, God's moral laws apply to all people in every nation in all times. They were the, the God's moral law was not only given to Israel, but it it's a it's a way that we know, whether we're Jewish or not, what the true God approves of and disapproves of. And again, the way we know that is when we go to the New Testament and we see those moral laws repeated for us in the New Testament, telling us that we should obey them. Now, here's what's interesting. As Pastor Greg said, and it's a powerful and important point, the only law of the moral law of the 10 commandments we don't see repeated for Christians to follow, we are never instructed by the apostles to follow that fourth commandment of keeping the Sabbath day. It's not there. And why is it not there? I believe there's two reasons why it's not there. I believe there's two reasons why we as Christians, uh, as believers in Christ, now after Jesus died, was buried and resurrected, went to heaven, uh, and, and we're covered by his blood and, and we're right before God in a relationship with God through faith in Christ, the reason for that is twofold. Number one, is because when you go back to the Old Testament, you will see in, in Exodus chapter 31 verse 13, it says this. It says, God speaking says, tell the people of Israel, be careful to keep my Sabbath day for the Sabbath is a sign of the covenant between me and you from generation to generation. God tells us three different times and the other two times are in the book of Ezekiel. He tells us two, three different times that the Sabbath day was actually a sign of the covenant between God and the nation of Israel. Number one, that's the first reason why it's not repeated in the New Testament for us to follow it and to keep that law. Also, number two, if you read Hebrews chapter 3 and chapter 4, the writer of Hebrews makes a point to say that the Sabbath that we keep as believers is faith in Christ, because Christ, the only one who could keep the whole law, is the one who kept it. Though he was tempted with sin, he never sinned. He kept God's law perfectly. He did it for us so that we could enter into the tr- to the true Sabbath or the true rest. And if you read carefully, if you read carefully Hebrews 3 and 4, the writer of Hebrews makes a point to say, as New Testament believers, our Sabbath rest is our faith in Christ, because Christ fulfilled the whole law. Okay, so that's important to understand. Also, let me give you another scripture. Colossians chapter 2, uh, in verses 16 and 17, Paul, speaking to the believers at Colossae, told them this, Let no man judge you when it comes to the issues of keeping certain days, such as the Sabbath or feast days. And what Paul told the Colossae church is this. He said, all those things in the Old Testament in the law, especially concerning feast days and Sabbath days, all they are is a shadow of the substance and that which is to come, which is Christ. Jesus fulfilled those laws. And so what Paul is telling us is those all those laws were pointing to faith in him. And so there's more we could get into. There's more we could talk about on this subject. Uh, but hopefully, does that help a little bit, Brian?
4: Um, yeah, it does a little bit. Um, like you were just saying, a uh, shadow of things to come. And as I, I, as I was saying, that even God himself rested at creation. So it was in the past, and it's a shadow of things to come in the future. And I'm wondering why we aren't practicing it, I guess, in the middle right now.
1: Well, because Paul made it very clear that, the, the, that the, the fulfillment of it was all pointing to Christ. Christ provides that for us. Our Sabbath rest is not a certain day that we take uh, where we don't work and we worship God. Our Sabbath is every day that we live with our faith in Jesus Christ. Uh, the writer of Hebrews says those who have faith in Christ have rested from the, their works because our salvation hinges on our relationship with God through faith in Christ, not what we do. And so that's that's the gist of it. And that's the, the, the important point of it. And here's the other thing, too. Um, you know, when you read what Paul had to say in Romans chapter 13, Paul said this. Paul said the fulfillment of the law is to love one another. And so that's another aspect that when you look at the law and, and how it relates to Christians, how we obey the law is through loving. Whenever we love people in a biblical way, we will find ourselves keeping God's law. For instance, I, I, as a married man, I love my wife. Okay. And, you know, Pastor Greg, Pastor Greg's married. Um, he loves his wife. I love my wife. And if I love my wife and if I love Pastor Greg, then what I'll never do is try to take his wife. I'll never try to commit adultery with his wife because the Ten Commandments, the law says thou shalt not commit adultery. Well, here's the thing. If I truly love my wife and I love Pastor Greg, then guess what? I'm not going to commit adultery. You see what I'm saying? You see how that works? And so it's important to understand that when it comes to God's law, it's it's not the meticulous keeping of the letter of the law that God is looking for. He's looking for a transformation of the heart where because of our love for him and our love for others, uh, that causes us then to obey God's law, especially the Ten Commandments, the moral laws of what we're talking about. And so that's that's borne out in scripture. In fact, Jesus, when he was asked, what's the greatest commandment? Jesus said, well, it's to love the Lord your God, number one, and your neighbor's yourself. And then Jesus said, on these two laws. Now, this is amazing, isn't it, Brian? The rabbis tell us that in the Old Testament, there's a total of 613 laws. Okay. But what's interesting is Jesus whittled them down to two. He said, if you love God and love people as you should, then guess what? You will fulfill the whole law. He said on these two commandments hangs the whole law. Why? Because if I love God, which that, that is the first, the first four commandments. You know, and particularly the first three, but the first four is our relationship to God. And then this last six of the Ten Commandments is our relationship with mankind or other other people. And so if I love God as I should and I love other people as I should, then because of me loving them the way I should, I'm going to keep God's law. And again, uh, you could go to Romans chapter 8, which is good to read. Paul actually tells us that the law is fulfilled through us or in us through the Holy Spirit who dwells in us. And that's why I said earlier, as a Christian, if you're truly being led by the Spirit, the Spirit's never going to lead you to do something against God's moral law. (laughs) The Lord, the Lord, the Holy Spirit's never going to lead you to commit adultery or to steal or to lie. You know what I'm saying? And so really that's the gist of it. That's the importance of it. So Brian, I hope that helps. This, This is a big subject. It's an important subject. Uh, the reason I spent some time on it is just because I think a lot of Christians are confused about it. But, Pastor Greg, bef- before we go, do you have anything else you want to say about this issue before we go to the next question?
2: No, sir. I think you answered it perfectly. And uh thank you for asking us uh, that question, Brian. Yeah, Brian, thank you so much. And, again, God bless you as you study his word. And if you would stay on the line,
1: the folks at CSN there I'm sure have some uh books or DVDs they would like to give to you. And let's go ahead now and go to Idaho. There, where uh, CSN is at in the state of Idaho, and we have Terry on the line. Terry, welcome to Every Man and Answer. Hello. Yes. How can we help you? Can you hear me, uh, Terry? We can. Yes. How can we help you today?
5: Oh, okay. I'm sorry. My it's not coming in very well here. Sorry about that. So That's I just okay. have a quick question. Um, I I know that what's happening with the world today is I keep reading the news and I'm just I get shocked with it. You know, sometimes I'm. Um, so I know that one of the greatest weapons we have is through prayer, but my, I get, I struggle with prayer in that I realize what's happening is prophecy. So do I have the right to pray against prophecy that's being fulfilled or, you know what I'm saying? I just, I, I can't figure out how to pray anymore with it.
2: Okay. Pastor Greg. Well, I, it's a great question, Terry. And Terry, that's my mom's name. So. It's always had a dear place in my heart. Let me, uh, let me say this, that when we read what Jesus tells us, uh, concerning the end times, we look at many passages of scripture. We look at Luke 21 and, and Mark 13 and here in, uh, in Matthew 24, It's interesting. Most people don't emphasize this, but we probably should because it's the first thing that Jesus mentioned in verse four. He says, let no one deceive you. Let no one deceive you. So that's the first thing that you can pray, especially if that's going on, because we are, we are living in a post-truth world. We have no idea. To be honest, no idea who is telling the truth and who isn't. I was, uh, uh, telling our, uh, our church family last night that, that, that they have the responsibility to be Bereans. They need to fact check everything I say and make sure that it's lining up with what scripture says. But then after Jesus says, uh, let no man deceive you. He goes on to say, uh, he gives the list there of, uh, false Christs and you're going to hear of wars and rumors of war and, and don't be troubled. Okay. I think we forget that as well. So don't be troubled. And he goes on to tell us why and nations are going to rise up against nation, people against people and kingdom against kingdom. There's going to be famines and pestilences and, uh, and earthquakes. And then Jesus says this, he says, all these are the beginning of sorrows. So ultimately, how do we pray concerning these times, these crazy times that we are seeing? We're holding up our Bibles and we're, we're, we're hoping holding up the newspaper and going, Hey, these things are lining up. This is what we should be praying. First thing, Maranatha, Lord come quickly. Lord come quickly. And in addition to that, to be praying that uh, that you're not deceived, because Christians can be deceived. Um, and uh, uh, and I just I I I wouldn't be troubled. I don't know if we should be praying that the Lord. Well, I'll say this because you said something about praying that the Lord would would intervene, and uh, I always pray against evil. I always pray that that uh, uh, God's will and his his ways would be done. But I'm not surprised when they aren't, because ultimately, especially for our country, we need to be removed from superpower status, uh, just like basically every nation is going to need to be removed from superpower status for the Antichrist to be able to set up his reign. So uh, like uh, like Scott said earlier, Jan Markel, what, what a great gal she is. How often we would hear, for years, she said, you know, things aren't falling apart. They're just falling into place. Pastor Scott? Yeah, that's great advice, Greg. And also, uh, Terry, I think it's important to
1: understand, too, um, when it comes to how we should praise believers, number one, we do see prophecy uh, being fulfilled and and, and it unfolding before our eyes. We are not to worry. What did Jesus say? He said, hey, when you see these things begin to happen, he says, to look up, because your redemption draws nigh. That means Jesus is coming soon. So that's important to understand. But let me give you a couple of scriptures that have to do with prayer that, that have become helpful to me. First John chapter 5, um, John tells us in verse 14, and now this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. So how do I know I'm praying according to God's will? Well, God's will is revealed to us most clearly in his word. So as Greg said, this is where it's important for us to understand what the Bible says. It's important for us to go to a good Bible teaching church where we're learning the Bible. Read it for ourselves every day so that we know what the Bible has to say. Study it, study it for ourselves. Listen to it on, on, here on CSN on the radio being taught. As we know the word of God, we will begin to be able to discern the will of God, and that will help us in our praying. And then he goes on to say, and if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we've asked of him. So I don't think we have to worry about praying wrong um, whenever we try to pray biblically, when we try to pray according to his word. Also, in Romans chapter 8, in Romans chapter 8, Paul actually told us that the Holy Spirit helps our weaknesses, and then he says this, we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. And I tell you what, Greg, I'm sure it's the same with you from time to time, but I find myself as a pastor sometimes in different situations trying to figure out how really should I pray in this situation? And you know what when, when we look at our world and, and and concerning prophecy, this is this is something that does become a little a little hard to discern sometimes. But again, we don't have to worry about praying anything wrong because it tells us that we don't always know what we should pray as we ought, Mm. but the spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings that cannot be uttered. In other words, as we're praying to the Lord, I like to think of it this way. You know, we're, we're offering to the Lord sometimes, uh, jumbled letters. And by the time it reaches heaven, the Holy spirit takes those letters, puts them in order and makes, and makes sentences out of them. Uh, according to God's will. <laughs> you know, that's the way I kind of think about it. Sometimes when I pray, you know, and I'm, I'm trying to pray about a certain situation, I, and, and I don't really know exactly how I should go in this. I just lift my heart to the Lord, you know, pray my best according to what God's word says. I give it to the Lord and I trust the Holy Spirit then to be the go-between between me and the Father in, in taking to the Father um what his will is from my own heart. So Terry, does that make sense? Absolutely. Thank you. I appreciate that. Oh, well, God bless you. And thank you again for the question. Thanks for the call. It was a great question. And uh, if you would stay on the line and the folks there at CSN, we'll get you some goodies out to you. Let's go to Rick in Oklahoma. Rick, welcome to the program.
4: Hey, good evening, gentlemen. How are you? We're blessed. How are you? Doing well. I wanted to ask a question. I listen to
3: Jan Martel a lot. Uh, oh. Another guy of Modesto, California, Damien Kyle. According to the scriptures, on anyway, at the end of the thousand-year reign of Jesus Christ, it says Satan is loosed for a season to deceive the nations. And I know the Bible quite well. I do you what's your ideas on how long that season could be because the bible doesn't say how long and you know it's not going to be a day or two What what's your what's your guys opinion
2: pastor greg well we know that uh in revelation 20 verses 7 and 8 it says that uh, he's going to re- be released uh from his prison and he's going to go out and deceive the nations that are in the four corners of the world so we know that there is some time there. I know that we're, uh, we're coming up on the end of the program. So I'll do a shameless plug here for you, Rick. Uh, if you go to our website at CalvaryChapelRapidCity.com and you go on the sermons tab and you go to Revelation 20. And if you don't want to listen to the whole sermon, just scroll through until you get to verses seven and eight. And I give a pretty thorough explanation of, uh, of what's going on there. Um, nobody knows how long, but it, there has to be some period of time. And, uh, uh, I think that you'll, uh, I think that you'll find a, uh, a pretty, pretty detailed response there. Pastor Scott. Yeah.
1: And, and Rick, that is a great question. And like you said, we're not actually told. Um, when you look at it there in Revelation 20, I mean, only four short verses is dedicated to it. But I would say for Satan to go out to the world and to deceive the nations and then to pull together, you know, a, a coalition, uh, to try to, to go against the Lord and try to, um, you know, make battle with him that there has to be somewhat some time. But again, the Lord can make these things go quick, so we're really not told. So thanks for the question. And so, uh, Lucas and Rod, if you would, call us back tomorrow, and they'll try to get you on the program first thing. Greg, thanks for being on today.
2: Good being with you, Scott. God bless you. Tell God somebody you. about
1: Jesus. Yes, exactly. And thanks for tuning in today to Every Man and Answer. We'll be back tomorrow with more.
0: To find out more about this ministry or to receive a copy of today's program, please call 1-800-357-4226 or write us to Man and Answer, P.O. Box 391, Twin Falls, Idaho, 83303. That toll-free number is 1-800-357-4226.